0: it's the hive sports podcast bringing you all the buzz on sports in the beehive state visit us at thehivesports.com against gobert puts his shoulder down rolls inside try to slam it home and rudy said not tonight john beck is on the run he throws behind him it is cut for the touchdown merrill for the lead he's Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sunday's podcast here at The Hive Sports, brought to you by myself, Ethan Kershaw, alongside Alex Mauer, to, to bring you all things RSL for this last week. Alex, my guy, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, but one thing that has me incredibly worried just about the future of this podcast and the future of my RSL coverage is that my U13s played to a thrilling 2-2 draw today. But it was a game I found myself saying in the post-game presser that uh, it was a game we should have won because we created a lot of really good chances and we got unlucky in two moments. We (coughs) fell asleep for two moments and those were the two goals scored against us. So uh, a lot of cliches in my post-game presser, a lot of... blame dodging on my part, perhaps I was also too scared to go three in the back for like the final five minutes and send everybody forward and try to find the game winner because I'm a coward. And I just didn't think that I had it in myself or the team had it in them to go chase after it. And so, uh, if I start pulling punches a little bit in post game pressers, that's probably why. So, uh, if my, if my coverage takes a little dive and people are upset at that, and I'm not given the hard hitting questions that the the folks out there desire, just know that it comes from a place of experience now. <laughs> it's, it's hard to sit there and uh, explain away a 2-2 draw that you feel you created. Uh, our XG was through the roof, and our ex-dog, frankly, was also through the roof. But, you know, sometimes it's just a, it's a cruel game, as they say. But no, other than that, I'm just doing absolutely tremendous. I'm like, I don't know, there's something in the air tonight, and I just feel this episode, man, this is just going to be a good one, despite, you know, the result, you know, being just okay. I'm, I'm, super, I'm super stoked. What about yourself,
0: man? How's your sleep
1: schedule looking?
0: I agree with you. Uh, my sleep schedule is still not great, but uh, a little bit more, I think, than, than last week, which is great. So slowly and surely getting there. The baby's still keeping me up at night, but um, I think we'll get there. She's getting a little bit better, so that's good. But um, is she reading yet? She's not reading. No, but she. We, we, the, the funny thing this week is that we've we started putting these like cards next to her that have like the des- these like designs on them, like these high contrast designs. So they've got like black and white designs. And she'll just stare at him, and she'll almost go cross-eyed. She gets so mesmerized at him; it's the funniest thing. And then after she's done looking at him, she'll like, have to blink several times to like get back into like the right state of mind. It's pretty funny. But um, I'm trying to come up with an RSL parallel for that sort of feeling <laughs> and emotion. But I don't
1: think I quite got it. Right. If we had lost, maybe I could have pulled off an easier one. But that's that's great that everybody's everybody's doing well, and she's uh, on the route to literacy. It sounds like
0: yes yes absolutely she's doing great everyone's doing great and i agree with you I, i'm feeling pretty good about the episode tonight i think we're gonna have a great uh, a great one and uh excited to be here with you all so um while we're while we're on the subject of it thank you all for joining in today and uh and listening to the podcast really appreciate your time um you can find myself at ethan kershaw 9 on twitter you can find alex at alex mauer on twitter also be sure to follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter is where also you can find all of our podcast episodes as well as um, all of the episodes that we have for our podcast are on its own separate like, channel. So you can go ahead and listen to the episodes over there as well. Uh, leave a review and a rating if you uh, if you feel so inclined and uh, share the podcast around. We always love uh, we love hearing like when new people discover the podcast and, and just their commentary on it, whether they like it or not, either way um, it's, I mean, most of it's been pretty positive, which is great, but we just love talking to people and interacting. So, uh, Keep it coming. Keep interacting man, with us. We yeah, love just it.
1: Like it. We've been doing this for like a year and a half now, and people still all the time are like, oh, and you know, it's a pretty small niche group. I like yeah, people are yeah. still like, oh, we just found your podcast. And like, yeah. man, that feels good every single yeah. time. So thank you for anyone that has ever shared this podcast with a friend or foe. Yes,
0: we absolutely 100% appreciate it. So thank you very much. Let's go ahead and jump on into the episode today and start off with our pod trivia segment which I will probably get wrong, but let's just go ahead and get into it. Alex, what do you got Even for me today? You
1: the negative self-talk. In their <laughs> MLS histories, who has signed more homegrown players, FC Dallas or Real Salt Lake?
0: No way. Okay. Okay. this It's 50, ha- 50, baby. I know.
1: You can't be mad at that.
0: I know. And I know Pepe's come from Dallas, but I, I got to go with RSL. It's the homegrown factory, so I'm going to say RSL.
1: If only, my friend, FC wow. Dallas with 34, RSL with 32, and six of those came in the last year when we signed just that troth of uh, young homegrown players uh, from the Monarchs. But yes, you were very close, my friend. We both kind of lead the league, us and FC Dallas. So it was it was nice to see some clubs out there. You know, let's get those factories, uh, those homegrown factories, uh, up and running, Portland Timbers, because that's it's kind of abysmal, frankly. But you know, I guess it, it kind of leads to the conversation. It does or do MLS teams really have any onus to like create players for the national team? Like, oh, yeah. really. But yeah, I don't know. It's cool when they do. And shout out FC Dallas because they do it better than just about anybody else. But Ethan, that was that was a good try. A good guess. I hope somebody else out there, you know, some listeners out there got that one. And if you did, let us know. Yeah. And if you knew yeah. FC Dallas had 34 on the dot, I will be very impressed.
0: Same. But no cheating. But yes, we'll be very impressed if you got that right. Um, but we will uh, talk a little bit later about the Battle of the Homegrowns in this When We are recording this episode just after the FC Dallas game. And we'll get into that a little bit later today. But let's go ahead and move on to our, our favorite, probably, segment, the Monarch Minute segment. Um, Alex, I, I know you're, you're starting a heater over there. You're getting the fire ready. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you spit it and get my stopwatch started. Ready, set, go.
1: I did a couple extra push-ups to get ready for this one today. The Monarchs made a couple of under-the-radar roster moves this week, signing 22-year-old defender Gennaro Nigro from Potenza Calcio in the Italian Series C and 14-year-old RSL Academy center back Luis Rivera, who has already made three appearances for the Monarchs this season. Rivera was also a mainstay for the RSL U15s at the 2022 MLS Next Tournament, in which they made and subsequently lost the final, as well as the 2022 Generation Adidas Cup, in which they lost in the quarterfinals to Valencia in one of the most entertaining PK shootouts in the history of the sport. As well, the Monarchs also played a game this week. They would go on to beat league-leading Tacoma Defiance 1-0 at Zions Bank Arena off the back of a Taters goal, which was the result of some uh, suspect goalkeeping. despite going down a man in the 64th minute. It certainly helped that first-teamers Eric Holt and the aforementioned Taters played major roles in this game, but other Monarchs showed well, too. In particular, Axel Kai had a chance after chance in this one and was incredibly unlucky to not come away with a headed goal off of a Benji Rodriguez cross in the 56th minute. As well, goalkeeper Gavin Beavers, who has played the vast majority of minutes in goal for the Monarchs this season as Jeff Duzenup has missed the entirety of the year to this point, came away with some sensational saves. The recent run of decent form has seen the Monarchs climb. The MLS Next Western Conference, standings all the way to 10th place and second to last in the conference, but hey improvement is improvement, and lucky for the Monarchs the next team on the schedule are the 11th place Portland Timbers 2, with only two home games left this season, and this one being one of them it's time to get out to a Monarchs game if you haven't already this season, how did I do?
0: Did excellent the, uh, the Monarch, minute and 28 seconds, so <laughs> just right. slightly over. But there was a lot to cover in there, so I'll, I'll give it to you. Um it was. I appreciate it, Ethan. Thank did, you so didn't, much. Didn't Benji Rodriguez also get a red card in that he game? He certainly did. He was a sub yes. that got a red
1: card, too, which is, uh, you know, the best yes. kind of red card, if you ask me.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Not great. But able to, hold, to pull out the win, which is great. um And you mentioned Luis, was it Luis Rivera? Luis Rivera, yes. 14-year-old center back. I hope and pray that that boy has has done some improving, man, because I'm not going to lie to you. I watched him play with the Monarchs for the first little while at the beginning of the season. Man was getting blown by every time. He's had
1: three Monarchs appearances and something like 200 minutes and has looked like a 14-year-old playing against semi-professional professional professional soccer players. So I think it's fair not everybody's going to come in and be Axel Kai at 14 years old. Luis Rivera has a very bright future ahead of him. (laughs) And hopefully if he gets, you know, a couple more minutes here in the Monarch season, he can be poised for a big leap next year.
0: Yes, As absolutely. well in this game,
1: just, you know, final thoughts on this one. Eric Holt and Hazy LaRosco both played in a three-man back line. I would keep an eye on that because I would not be stunned at all. We'll get to it. But if RSL switches to a three back, three-man 3 back line in this uh, midweek home game against the Minnesota United. But uh, just keep an eye on that. Just know that that happened just so you got a little bit of context for if we see something a little bit a little bit sneaky and a little bit wild from RSL and Pablo Mastroetti in this, uh, this midweek game. But I digress. I've gotten ahead of myself.
0: Well, we'll talk about that preview uh, a little bit later, um, but just a little bit of a tidbit. Um, I, I guess going into that preview, if I'm Pablo, you got to be at least considering playing a guy like Haziel Roscoe as the third center back instead of Eric Holt after what happened last week. But we'll get into that that later. Um, all right, let's go ahead and jump into our news segment, a little bit of a newer segment that we've kind of forgotten to, to include at times, but there's just one piece of to news do. today. You know, so it's it's yeah. always a big, big news week. Yeah, so just one piece of news. Um, Alex, I'll, I'll I'll leave this to you about the David Ochoa ESPN article that came out this week. Obviously, we know David Ochoa has left the team, has joined DC United. This article just came out recently kind of with some more information on the situation. So, Alex, what are your thoughts on it?
1: And because of what you say, he has left the team. I'm going to try to keep this brief. I've written it down so that I yes. get my comments short and concise. Uh, On the Ochoa ESPN article, all I'll say is that ESPN is one of the most reputable sources out there, and that's not to say they're never wrong. I've seen them anti-Teo documentary. But in this (laughs) case, they have provided the most nuanced, highly sourced, objective view of the situation I have been able to find. They spoke to both parties involved and reached what I think is a pretty fair conclusion. I hope that RSL has learned from this and will seek to be better and manage young egos more effectively in the future. And I hope David Ochoa storms into Rio Tinto September 10th and stands on his head and earns a move to Chivas. That's essentially what it comes down to for me. I feel at this point we've kind of exhausted the conversation, but that's not to say I am sick of having it because I am not. I have more gas in the tank if people want to keep uh, blowing up my mentions with Ochoa slander. All I want is to see that the club has taken this as a lesson, because if they don't, the problem is going to be, in my eyes, that we will repeat it. And it was mentioned on kind of the RSL subreddit that FC Dallas lost Weston McKinney for free, and they made some immediate, definite changes to the way that they ran their operations, and they have reaped the rewards in recent years. Look at Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe as two of the, you know, pretty prime examples. Chris Richards is another. If RSL sees this as an opportunity to look at themselves in the mirror and really grow from this and seek out ways where they were wrong and where they can improve, I have immense hope for the future. If instead they chalk it up to David Ochoa just being a real egotistical 20-year-old and somebody that was always going to do this and there was nothing they could have done, then I'm worried because I think – I, I don't want to get very, very far ahead of myself, but Axel Kai has demonstrated some of, you know, kind of similar mannerisms yeah. and yeah. similar sort of frustrated body language that David Ochoa exhibited very early on in his career. And I could just see that being an issue if they haven't found ways to better address that because that is their express job. So I, that's kind of what I'll leave it with. Unless you've got anything else to add, I am really desperately hoping David Ochoa re-signs with DC United and then transfers for a big money move to Chivas just so we can see some of that extra scratch. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. I would imagine he leaves on a free. But life goes on, the sun comes up, and it's it's probably time for us to to move beyond the David Ochoa discourse. However badly, I want to cling on to it and never (laughs) say goodbye.
0: No, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think uh, I think we can, for the most part, drop kind of the David Ochoa talk until the DC United game, at least.
1: And then it's oh, it's all
0: on. <laughs> and then it's on. Maybe. And then it's on. But um, no, I agree with you. I think uh, as if you're going to be a homegrown team and, and base your team off of being homegrown. Come, uh, bringing guys out of the academy, like RSL has been doing, um, there's a lot of kids that are humble for sure, but there's a lot of kids that that tend to, you know, sometimes have a bit of an ego. And so, if you're going to be doing that as a, a club and organization, you need to be prepared and ready to be able to handle that and manage that more effectively. So, I agree with you. If they learn from this this uh, this situation, I think it'll be a fantastic opportunity going forward for the team to kind of redeem themselves and and you know do better in the future. Um, I agree with you on that. Um,
1: so, yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, I think we've got we've got a lot to get to today. So I'm going to yeah. hop yep. right on into our That's game it. recap. I'm looking at my notes from this one. I took handwritten notes for this game. I did fantastic. My best to stay, I know I did my best to stay off. Like, I got like two full pages, too. Man. Wow. I did my best to stay off Twitter for this one. And man, was that like so much more enjoyable? Not You know, a little humble <laughs> brag for me because I've had to really try to limit my uh, Twitter screen time in recent uh, days, weeks, months and years. So I know I know some people for that.
0: I know some people that are going to be coming for you for that statement, but I, I yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, <laughs>
1: you know, the the bar is still, you know, no, no. props very to you,
0: me, props to you. That's great. Mm-hmm. But in
1: this game, I think it was a really good performance from RSL. And yeah, that's, that feels kind of weird to say in a game that we drew really only because of, you know, a substitution making a great play, but it really did feel like, we had the better of the chances not to sound like a U13 coach that just drew a game 2-2 in which they had probably the vast majority of possession in XG, but that is what this felt like. In the first half, we come away with seven shots, one on goal to their four and one on target. Unfortunately, their one was very, very on target and ended up in the back of the net. It was ping ponged around in the box. A Pretty poor clearance from Justin Glad, just kind of toe poking it back into danger. It gets deflected again. Aaron Herrera gets nutmeg, but not really much he could do, and it slides in under Zach McMath. And other than that, FC Dallas didn't really threat much in the first half, if you ask me. RSL, I think, had the better of the chances. Saverino looked fairly lively, and for him, it was really a tale of two halves, in my opinion, because in the first half, he was playing in that kind of reserved free 10 sort right. of role where he's kind of allowed to just drift and go wherever he wants, but he is definitely more central and a little bit higher than I think he's probably – most used to in an RSL uniform, and then in the second half, after some substitutions are made, he goes to the right wing, where I felt he looked a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more dangerous, but that's not to say he was not uh, both of those things. In the first half. And yeah, we continued to have the better of the chances and were extremely close to coming away with a penalty kick. If Justin Miram was just about half a second quicker, we'd probably come away with one. It was initially called a penalty and then overturned via VAR, rightfully so, might I add. The goalkeeper did beat Justin Miram to the ball by just an absolute hair, but we continued to look dangerous. And Miram was one of those guys that really looked bright in this game. paulo Messeroni echoed that in the post game. He felt that Miram bring something different to the team that not anybody else on the roster really can and that's saying something for a 33 year old player who just hit 2,000 minutes on this mls season the most he's had since 2017 2017 that is a long time this is an absolute renaissance year for justin miram yeah and i for one did not think he had this in him i've got it in my notes early on i've just got a Miram, he's lost his legs through the 18 and 20 minutes. I was worried that he just didn't have it in him in a, in a hot night in Dallas, I tell you. But no, he absolutely turned it back on and was probably one of the most consistent possession players, especially going forward for RSO as well through this first half. We ended on you know kind of a high note, but uh, it was really the second half where we made our made our mark, obviously with the goal coming. And for me, as you know, if if it's a game of two halves, this one was really a game of like two thirds and another third because in the 60th minute Sergio comes off my notes say bad uninvolved Chang off and then I've got you know the little quotes indicating the same for him and Anderson Julio and Rubio Rubin came on and boy howdy did they change the way that we attacked in this game Anderson Julio was tracking down balls in a way that I don't think Sergio was Rubio Rubin unfortunately has the one major miss that everybody's going to remember but other than that I actually do think he was I'm not going to say involved, because I don't think that's probably fair. But good spots. He brought, he brought something different to the team, because in playing in the middle, he allowed Jefferson Severino to go out to the right, where I thought he was probably more impactful. That's and fair. that's not saying a lot about Rubio Rubin's performance, saying that his best attribute was <laughs> allowing someone else to be good. But it is a thing that happened, and a thing that wasn't happening earlier on in the game, so I'm going to give him somewhat of the credit for that. But it probably goes mostly to Pablo Mastroeni. Uh, And then the goal comes in the 70th minute from Anderson Julio, who scores with, mind you, his head. Something that earlier in the season Pablo Mastroeni had said was keeping him on the bench. He was saying that Anderson Julio was not coming into games late. I remember specifically the Columbus game at home because he is not an aerial threat in the way that Sergio Cordova is. And now look at the stat sheet, Mr. Pablo Mastroeni. Sergio Cordova has one headed goal on the year, and Anderson Julio has two. So the stats don't lie, my friend. Uh, and Anderson Julio got in a great run, too. Let's not forget that. Like It was a very good kind of sneaky front post run, scoring with his head, that was off of a whipped-in ball from Aaron Herrera, and it was an absolute textbook Aaron Herrera assist, his second of the season, and one that looked almost exactly like 80% of his assists last season. And I asked him about this in the postgame, and he gave me an answer that, Really, really uh, made me smile. <laughs> if, there's, <laughs> if there's any way, if there's any way to describe it, I said, I said, look, Aaron, that was a, that was a textbook Aaron assist. Has the team done anything in recent weeks to get or made a concerted effort in recent weeks to get you into those spots that have made you? that came so consistently to you last year that have been kind of eluding you this year. And he says, I've been getting into those spots all season, in my opinion, but it takes somebody to put them in the back of the net. (laughs) And I just absolutely brimming with confidence. Yeah. Just just absolutely zero awareness that uh, maybe that's not fair, but in my opinion, Aaron Herrera's service has not been nearly as accurate one or two consistent as it was last season but for him to come out and say that like his teammates were just not putting them away. And that's the reason he has two assists versus like the what 15 he had last season to me is a little bit hilarious. And on a similar note, he was asked about uh, Brian Oviedo coming into the team and he says, yeah, it's a good thing. He pushes guys, you know, rising tides, raise all ships sort of cliche answer. And then I asked him, I was like, who's the guy that pushes you in training? If this is such a, you know, a vital thing to be getting the best out of every player. And he said, you thought about it and he said, myself uh, again just you just honestly you have to respect the confidence you know because
0: it's it's truly he's a a great interview man and
1: he is a great interview because he is (laughs) honest in a way that i don't think anybody else on the roster really is albert kind of had it too a little bit Albert was willing to just like but but i mean it's honest in his own head but i don't think it's honest like realistically, if that makes right. any sense. Cause I, cause I don't yep. think he's been s- serving in, you know, fantastic balls all season. Like he, like he apparently thinks he has, but I do think he's giving us, you know, his absolute, his absolute truth in his own head. And I greatly appreciate that. But yeah, we would go on to finish out the next 20 minutes in pretty bunker road style. If that's fair to say, Brian Oviedo would come in and in the 80th minute in spell of Andrew Brody and Brian Oviedo looked like a new player at one point, I think it was in the 80 some odd minute. He, a ball has gone out wide. He goes to close it down and he not only jumps, but he jumps and turns his back, which Again, Ethan, as a U13 coach, is like the number one thing that I tried my best to get players not to do. So that was, you know, kind of a worrying (laughs) sign. He also, almost immediately when he came in, got caught out of position, pushed up a little bit too high. But I'm not entirely worried about Oviedo. I think he'll be just fine, especially as what will probably amount to just a depth piece for this team. As well in postgame pressers, I asked him about his acclamation to the team, and he says, I asked, you know, specifically, has anybody helped you really get uh, get into the swing of things here at RSL? And he says everyone. He said everyone twice.
0: That's and, uh, awesome. They've
1: all been very helpful. So that is, that is good to see for our ex-vibes, if you will. <laughs> but other than that, uh, not a whole lot from the recap for me in this one. Uh, you know, just going off quick match facts. But it was a result that I don't think you can complain about. A point on the road against a team that is right smack dab next to you in the playoffs this late in the season, this late in the summer in Texas as well. I don't think you can have any qualms with. And for me, the, the underlying performance was also really good. I think there are still some glaring issues. I think you've got to figure out where Saverino is best. I think you've got to figure out what you go to when Sergio Cordova is not producing because he's one guy I know we will get to in this recap because he was incredibly uninvolved in a way that, you know, he hadn't been for the last three games. And what do you do when Jeff or excuse me, Pablo Ruiz and Jasper Loffelson can't quite get in a groove in a way that they can control the middle that they have been in the past. Those I think are the three biggest questions for me, but Ethan, what stood out to you in this game, both on the RSL side and I guess on the FC Dallas side as well.
0: Right. A um, lot to get into in this one. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the midfield thing with, with Lavelson Ruiz. Is it is it Ojeda, Ojeda that comes in and controls the midfield? Is it someone like Diego Luna who he pushes a little further up? Which, personally, um, Diego Luna comes into this game in the 68th minute, which is great to see him getting some more minutes. But a guy like Diego Luna, I think warrants at least – at least one start this season at some point. You would
1: certainly, I mean, he started in Atlanta, but and, I see what you're saying, and, and I certainly hope that is correct.
0: Yeah, I, I I, mean, okay, one more, I guess, one more start. Um, the guy's got a lot of talent, but I I don't know. I, I feel like at times we're wasting it. But um, anyways, all, the, the kind of the overarching stats in this game, you're talking about it, it like looking at it holistically. You say that, you know, yeah, you think RSL, Pulled off a pretty good performance in this game. I would say we maybe feel a bit slighted that we we should have maybe won this game, actually. Um, We had 16 shots in this game, 6 shots on target, as opposed to only 3 on on target for Dallas, with 13 total shots for Dallas. Um, Pass accuracy was really good in this game for both teams, actually, but for RSL, 85%. um, Possession was pretty even. Pretty even stats all the way through. A little more shots for RSL. I think RSL actually had the better chances in this game, too. Um, just shots that were were very very close. Um, a guy that I want to talk about in this post game recap is Paulo Ruiz. Um, Paulo Ruiz had five shots total in this game. Um, he hit the bar twice. My yes, view. yes, hit the bar twice. Um, I, I, it feels like at times RSL is victim of very good goalkeeper play on the other team. Like I feel like we got victimized by was it Pools Camp with Sporting Kansas City who just stood on his head and had some amazing saves and now. This game with, with the, uh, the goalkeeper for Dallas, who uh, is fantastic. I mean, the Martin, the pace, Martin pace. Martin pace guys. hand to
1: that and push it off the bar yeah. was,
0: was truly. It, it was an amazing save, but it was an amazing shot too, by Ruiz finally getting a, you know, a good free kick on frame like that, where you think it's going to go in earlier in the game. He had a shot that just, I, I believe it just grazed over the bar from outside of the box. A really good, powerful shot. Uh, Ruiz is, is looking he looked very good in this game as far as um, shooting getting forward in the attack which is something it's great to see you mentioned the defensive issues at times he doesn't have as much of a tendency to play as well defensively which may be an issue but um, I thought he played very well in this game and uh, I, I I love to see every week this partnership with maybe is not as much chemistry as it should be but With Jasper Lawfulson and Pablo Ruiz, I just love having these two guys in the midfield. And I remember that I felt pretty comfortable about the midfielder going into the offseason, but everybody else in the fan base was like, no, like we need to like mix everything up. Like we need Cuellar, we need like to change everything. But Lawfulson has really been a lawful godsend. This is funny, actually. Lawful Godson has been a revelation, which is a very fitting phrase, but he has been a revelation for this team as well as Pablo Ruiz has really stepped it up this year. I just love watching this midfield. Alex, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, this not, to get to,
1: not, not to get too far ahead of us, which is you know a habit I love to participate <laughs> in every single week on this podcast, but Laffelson's godsend is somebody that they are going to have to limit his minutes in this upcoming stretch, and that does worry me greatly because I asked Pablo in postgame, I said, you know, I was just asking about you know the minutes he's going to have to limit. He mentioned, because I, I asked, does he have any update on in Lawfulson's injury because he did come out early in this one, and he said no, but he is a guy that we are going to have to be, I think it was incredibly careful with, because they are, they're very nervous about him having played too many minutes already.
0: He He's laying down in like midfield or something with like an injury, I think, at some point yeah, in this game. Yeah, and this has been
1: a theme for Lawfulson yeah. for a while now. I've asked more than yeah. once about limiting his minutes, and he's actually skipped out on practices before in the past, because as Pablo mentioned in the post game again, yeah. that he plays... His minutes are worth more than a lot of other players' minutes. He says he has so many dynamic movements. He's running so much. He's covering so much ground that his minutes, you know, <laughs> don't ac- accurately reflect the amount of work that I think he puts in or that I think the coaching staff thinks he puts in. And right. so that's one that I'm worried about in the upcoming games because I just don't know that we've seen it from a guy like Scott Caldwell or Nick Beasler to become and replace what he has done. But other than that, you mentioned specifically that RSL would feel probably slighted after this game for not coming away with a win. And that has been the theme of the last few months. RSL is now sitting at three wins in their last 13 games. That is a very large portion of the season. Not great. Very large portion of the season that RSL has gone relatively winless in. And that for me is the worry because we know in this league, excuse me, that winning is a habit and winning is a thing that good teams do consistently and can kind of get on a roll and so for me, that's got to be the worry is that another game kind of goes by where you felt like the win was definitely there to be had. And unfortunately, we just can't find a way to get the second. But again, still a good result. And the underlying performance, I thought, was definitely positive. But I do think there has to be some sort of concern that another win has kind of slipped through the cracks just a little bit. And I, I mentioned him, you know, you ask, you ask what I think about, you know, some of these other performances. And I mentioned Sergio Porto at the top. But yes. Man, he he was asleep. It
0: was snort of, of a today.
1: This was a Sergio snort of a game. And yep. I really wish, because there there was one moment I can't remember I didn't write it down in my in my two pages, I didn't write it down, but he's holding the ball in the second half and just kind of like takes a really bad touch and then whiffs at it and then kind of gets pushed from the back and falls down and loses possession in a really good spot. And Class. that's the thing that he had fixed in the last three games. He was actually really yep. quite it's good in close control in the last little bit. So I I just don't know. I just don't know who Sergio Cordova is at this point. I never thought that he could reach the sort of form that he had over the last three games. I truly didn't. I thought the things that he was not very good at were things that you couldn't just fix overnight. And then he did. And now, you know, obviously that was going to come to a close at some point, but I didn't think it was going to come to a a halting end in such a fashion as I think it did tonight. Because again, we don't see Sergio Cordova subbed often at all And to see him come off in the 60th minute is a bucking of the trend, if you ask me, and an extremely positive one at that. I do think Anderson Julio offered a lot more going forward in this game. He comes in and was, I've written down in my notes here, an immediate impact on the ball that he gets from Brody on the left-hand side, takes one touch to the outside, which was just a beautiful little turn. Past Matt Hedges, right? Yes, and tries to get his hips right and go back post and probably should have gone with his left. But regardless, I think it was a play that I don't know that anybody else on the roster can do with quick, immersive speed in a small space like that. And for me, I want to see more of that. I want to see more Anderson Julio. And you know, it's it's the age-old question here at RSL is if he is more impactful as a starter or as a sub. I think it's pretty clearly that he is more impactful as a sub, but he does yep. need the minutes to be able yes. to get integrated into the game. You know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes is not enough to do it. 30 minutes might just be. And if that's the case, I would love to see him in this, you know, three-game in eight-day, seven-day stretch, whatever it turns out to be. I can't remember right off the top of my head. I apologize. But I do hope that he is seeing more than – what has been his usual 10 to 15 and sees more of these 30, 35 minute stints or, you know, one thing for me is, is, is kind of silly. I don't know why it isn't more common to make subs at halftime in soccer. (laughs) This isn't just an RSL point generally, but like overall, like you get a free sub essentially at that point, because you're not using one of your windows. And I, I mentioned in this game specifically why on Twitter, why is Diego Luna coming on at halftime? Not a conversation we're having. I think Michael Chang had been getting, I don't know. Is it fair to say pretty well overrun on his side? I think Justin just yeah. really kind of given it all he could by that point. I don't know that he offered much in those 30 minutes in the second half that he played. So what's stopping us from making that? So it what's stopping us from being proactive in a way that, you know, really puts us on the front foot to come out of the gate screaming at a half. And I understand that you don't want to lose the balance and those sorts of things, but you get a 15 minute break to figure out all the tactical nuances of what you're going to do for the rest of the game. And, RSL is not, you know, often a tactically nuanced team, but still I think it would be would be beneficial and would be something that I hope we see especially as Pablo's talking about having to rotate guys lots of minutes. I hope it's something we see at home on Wednesday, but but you know, I'm certain we'll get to that. For my for my for my last Dallas thoughts, Zach McMath was horrendous in distribution. And something that Something something we praised I think in the past. It, but. Have been two zero. it could have been 3-0, because there were two yeah. plays specifically where he passes literally, literally, directly to an FC Dallas player. And, you know, <laughs> clearly he's not meaning to, but it was really bad. And both of them resulted in instant opportunities for Dallas. And this is something that we talked about earlier on in the year. It kind of got fixed. And now, a lot like Sergio Cordova, it seems to be back to where it was to some degree. And, you know, we talk a lot about guys – you know, Aaron Herrera does about guys pushing other guys in training. There is absolutely no one pushing Zach McMath in training. Absolutely. Not even Ochoa anymore. We have, oh, not sorry. A minute I'm going to mention, I mean, he's played maybe four halves of soccer for the Real Monarchs, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. It's I, so I don't know if that's, you know, a contributing factor or if it's just kind of who he's always been, or if it was just a one-off game that I don't know, but his, his form has certainly slumped in my opinion. And that could be, you know, a pretty key factor for RSL down the stretch when points are going to be very hard to come by. I think we're going to need some, you know, stellar stand on his head type games. And I just don't know that I have the confidence to say with any certainty that we're going to see any of those anytime soon. Is that too harsh for Zach McMath or does that feel right about fair?
0: That feels right about fair, I think. Um, You know, we, we said we weren't going to mention Ochoa, but Ochoa has gone and he's no longer pushing Zach McMath for that starting job. And I'm sure Zach McMath feels like he's got this one wrapped up. Like, but I mean, he does. He's right. Yes, he does. To he does. Absolutely. he him spin out all year.
1: Like Thomas Gomez is who Thomas. Yeah. Gomez.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you know, I, it, the, the total amount of saves Zach McMath has had during this year. It's been a high number it has dropped a little bit as of late, but, um, He's, I think he's like eighth or ninth down in the league in saves made, as opposed to like a couple of months ago where he was like first or second. Um, Shutouts, he's Montgomery third. In the of
1: uh, RSL off the crossbar, talks about he's, he actually makes easier saves than league average, which is yeah. which is interesting. I don't get too into the the deep analytical stats like that, but I do, like the eye test tells me that he is making you know easier saves than I think. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the last like really great Zach McMath save. And just because I can't think of one doesn't mean they haven't
0: happened recently, but,
1: but I am struggling here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I I agree. His distribution wasn't great in this game and I think he could have done it better at times, but let's look at the silver lining. We, we walk away with only having allowed one goal in this game and it's a goal that is a pretty powerful shot. I think Aaron Herrera might've been blocking the, the view of Zach McMath on the goal. I think, um, Alan Velasco was like right behind Herrera when he shot the ball, the ball went between Herrera's legs and then went in. And so I'm not sure if McMath could necessarily see that. So like, like let's not forget that, Hey, you know, we only allowed one goal in this game, which is, I, I think a pretty positive thing. Uh, all things considering shut out after the seventh minute, which is great, but um <laughs> <laughs> <That is a, laughs> so relining their
1: optimistic way to phrase that. But
0: uh, I, um, I, I want to talk a little bit just Briefly again about the forwards in this game, um, because we're talking about Anderson Julio, we're talking about Justin Mayer, Michael Chang. Michael Chang, I thought had a pretty good beginning start to the season. And I feel like his performance has kind of started to slump as the team's performance has started to slump in this game. He had no shots. um, He only had 22 passes. Two fouls conceded before he came out in the 62nd minute. So that wasn't great. I think it was the right substitution at the right time by Pablo. Um, and, and props for Pablo in this game for making substitutions in this one. Five total substitutions in this game. Um, three of those substitutions are made before the 70th minute. And uh, they're bringing out guys like Cordova and Chang, who were largely ineffective in this game. And so that, I feel like, kind of you know changed things around, got the team going, and it helps the team carry on to end up with a draw in this game and getting a point. Um, but I, Anderson Julio, I, I think I, I agree with you as far as the sub, but I don't know if he should be getting 45 minutes because he has been an injury concern in the past. At the end of this game, you see him kind of, uh, maybe a slightly limping around, maybe a little gingerly on the field. And that kind of thing worries me because Anderson Julio has been an injury prone guy for a, a large part of the time he's been with RSL. So it's a guy you kind of have to manage minutes for because you're right when he is on the field. He's impactful. You see it like the guy changes the game completely. And so he gets the goal in this game. It's, it's just wild to me that it's, it's off a header. I just, he's so good at headers where Cordova isn't. And so I I love the substitution. I think it's exactly what Pablo needed to see. Maybe this opens up his mind for the future and maybe he'll start subbing in Julio for Cordova in future games.
1: Yeah, and if we're gonna be honest with ourselves and you know God above, we do have to probably acknowledge that Sergio Cordova's aerial duels one stats are actually very good. He's sitting at around seventy eight percent, and Anderson Julio is around like a thirty. But the eye test does tell me something different. And you know, I tweeted yes. out a video a long time ago. I think it was in the Sporting Kansas City game. After it was, you know, very, very, very soon after Pablo had mentioned that Cordova was such a such a presence on set pieces and he just literally watches as his guy walks away and nearly scores a goal while Anderson Julio is like sprinting to track a guy down. And so I don't think it is all in the stats necessarily. I think it also hurts when one guy is brought in late and is just challenging for, you know, uh, headed duels against pretty stacked set defenders. But in this game, the one positive I do see from that substitution narrative wise is that it was a situation in which Dallas was already sitting deep and we still saw Anderson Julio earlier. Right. That is something that has not happened at all this season. If a team is sitting deep, Anderson Julio does not come on because he presumably can't use his best attribute, which is his speed and getting in behind. And so yep. seeing him actually being able to come into a game where they are sitting deep and continue to be impactful was a major, major positive for me. But you mentioned it briefly and it's Diego Luna, who I want to talk about one, because he was my player of the game to watch. And two, because as you mentioned, he is one of the few young players on RSL that needs to be seeing more minutes. Yeah, And I thought he was, absolutely fine in this performance. Yeah. No more, no less for me. I thought he was totally fine. And the most interesting thing to me is that we have seen him most here on this left wing as he was originally brought in to be a sort of 10 attacking mid type role. And Pablo asked post game about switching Miriam's minutes. You know, I talked about this. The first guy he mentioned was Diego Luna. And that's interesting to me because that would be playing him out of position, which has unfortunately been a theme of the year. Now, I do think he's young enough, and I do think he has the attributes and the abilities to take that position on and be successful, but it is interesting that we are not trying to force feed him minutes at the 10, when I think it's pretty roundly accepted that that is where he has likely the highest ceiling. And so that, for me, is definitely going to be something to watch going forward. And maybe that leaves room for Jefferson Savarino to continue to play in the midfield. And maybe that's the thinking, but I think we're going to have to wait and see. But other than that, I don't have a lot of takeaways from this FC Dallas game. The one thing being that Brandon Cervania had a shot in the 89th minute from the penalty spot and he put it wide and high. If that goes in, I think <laughs> yes. we're having a very different conversation yes. right now. And I think our postgame press conferences were going to be very, uh, tenuous or stressful in a way that they were not tonight because of the results. So Obviously, you got to put it in the back of the net. The result is the result, and we're happy about it. But that's a tap in. Uh, it was very close. It was like it was like it was like the equivalent one that I of a tap in. Pommegal puts away if he didn't yes. have to come out injured. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a very very near uh, points lost on the road. But hey, the point is there in the standings now. When I look at them, and Ethan, if I do look at them. It is kind of a scary tale for RSL. Despite coming away with a point on the road, we actually dropped down to the sixth seed because Nashville put the hurt on Vancouver today. Yep. So we're sitting on 39 points tied with Nashville but, on 39, but they've got sp- us good old-fashioned gold difference. But Oh, but, Ethan.
0: We have a game in hand. We do have a game
1: in <laughs> hand, hand shman, because we've got to play at home against Minnesota, who just trounced trounced I tell you the Houston Dynamo because they came yes. back from one goal down in the 80th minute so uh it's going to be an extremely difficult match I think And I think there's no better segue unless you have something just absolutely <laughs> burning to say about the Dallas burned excuse me FC Dallas match
0: I, I do actually and I want to just leave one more thing on the Dallas match before we move on if that's okay um that so
1: okay Ethan thank you so much for speaking up that's that's sort of self-accountability
0: self-advocacy I just love to see it Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Alex. I appreciate I it. <laughs> um, the, I want to talk a little bit about the defenders. I don't think we talked too much about them in this game. I just want to leave a little bit there uh, about the defenders. Um, Justin Glad on the the goal I think had a clearance that kind of went wrong it went right to a Dallas player and that's where the cross happened to Alan Velasco for the goal and uh, obviously through Aaron Herrera's legs Herrera I think was caught ball watching just a tad bit on that play and wasn't able to get over to Velasco quite quick enough to get good enough positioning Um, but other than that honestly I thought Aaron Herrera played a really good game. He gets the assist in this one. And Aaron Herrera was a guy that you and I had been talking about of as of the last couple of weeks in last week's episode that had been slowly gaining more and more confidence and had been getting better and better to getting crosses into the blocks. And you mentioned you know, the team allowing him to get into those kinds of positions and he gets the assist in this game. He comes through for the team. Um, I thought Herrera played really well. There was another point in the game, too. Actually, the, the bacon hustle play of the game was uh, a, a play where uh, a Dallas player is coming down on the end. Uh, bacon, not a sponsor. But uh, the FC Dallas player is coming down on the side, and he gets past kind of the defenders, past Aaron Herrera. And it looks like he might have a chance to go in, uh, kind of pass it into goal or something. Aaron Herrera comes, comes from the back of him, comes sliding in behind. And a lot of times this season, we've seen Aaron Herrera make that slide. And it'd be like a penalty or like a red card or something. But he did a great job on this tackle. Times it perfectly great tackle on his end. And it ends up just going out for a goal kick. So I thought Aaron Herrera played really good in this game. Um, Other than the the one goal, Justin Glad, Marcelo Silva put in a good shift. Brody played well. Um, And I think... Tom Hackett um, just posted this on Twitter. He thinks that Brian Oviedo will be gaining significant minutes for the team going forward to the end of the season. Um, That's something I could see happening. A guy, a veteran like Oviedo, he does need to step it up and and maybe get a little more familiar. But I think as he does that, there's a good chance that he gets some some good relief minutes uh, near the end of the season, kind of to give Andrew Brody or Aaron Pereira a bit of a break.
1: And speaking of relief minutes, there is no better segue than to the Minnesota preview. RSL yes. will play Minnesota United Wednesday, August thirty first, home at the Riot, seven thirty p.m. kickoff. It is also, let me add, kick childhood cancer like night. Yeah. And for that, we have been we have been slightly nudged in the right direction to mention now that if you bring a teddy bear, and you probably saw this on the broadcast, bring a teddy bear, and if RSL scores a goal, throw that on the field. <laughs> And uh, if they don't <laughs> score a goal, still, still throw, throw it on it on. Field, just kind of do that. Like, you know, whenever it feels appropriate and right, maybe at like halftime, maybe at the final whistle, just no, no, you know, no, no, no. throw them as like projectiles. If we lose, no, that's,
0: so that's they, what you need to do. Because oh, if, no, we don't, no, if, no, if we no, don't, we don't if get a result right, in this game
1: for that, we're going to get our press passes pulled
0: Aim for, um, Emmanuel Reynoso, because he was the one who screwed us over a lot. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't Many do likely that. likely will be the one to do so again. But Minnesota yes. United
1: sit on 44 points from 27 <laughs> games played, which is good enough for third in the Western Conference. Ethan, I have a horrifying stat to tell you, and it is that they have won eight of their last 11 games, dating back to late June. My, oh my, this team is on fire. Yep. That, to me, is... Just baffling eight of 11 when RSL has won three of the last 13. That's extremely tough. Ethan, can you give me a little bit of a a little bit of preview on this one and how you're feeling?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Give me a temperature check. Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, So Minnesota, you mentioned they're playing very, very well as of late. That can't be denied. Let's not forget too, that uh, this Minnesota team in one of their games that they ended up winning was against RSL. This game was on the road though, in Minnesota, Um, It was a game where Minnesota had scored three goals in not necessarily quick succession succession, but Manuel Reynoso gets the the first goal in the ninth minute then scores just before halftime. It's two zero. And then in the second half, 61st minute, they go up three nil. But if you remember in this game, um, some changes were made Anderson Julio being one of them. Um, And later in the game, 71st minute goals were five minutes apart. Anderson Julio and Jefferson Sabrino get goals later on in the game to start the comeback. Unfortunately, the comeback does not continue and the game ends 3-2 rso loses this game do you want me to make my score prediction first or would you like to go first alex because you are uh, currently down in the you know, man
1: I, I yes i will go first but first okay. i do want to make just a little bit of a a little bit of a commentary on this game i do think we'd see not wholesale changes but i do think we see pretty significant changes to the starting 11 this week i That's don't her. think you yeah. give oviedo those 10 minutes he saw tonight if you weren't planning on starting him against minnesota united because if not what was the point of pulling an andrew brody who was playing fairly well for a guy that had just joined the team and was not really interested or i guess not interested but not needing to see minutes so i think i think uh, he probably sees the field Uh, Brian Oviedo, that is. And I imagine we do go to three in the back because I think you've got to find another way to get some wingers some rest, namely Justin Miram, who has, again, played almost a career high minutes since 2017. So I think Miram comes off and in the postgame, Pablo mentioned actually that a quote unquote wild card to see minutes in that left wing spot would be Andrew Brody. So I don't think it's impossible for us to see Brian Oviedo, Andrew Brody, and Aaron Herrera all in the field at the same time. But I think that probably does likely come with a formation change. And I think it would be advantageous for RSL to have Andrew Brody on a wing playing slightly more defensively alongside or I guess in front of Brian Oviedo. So I think the team probably does honestly... And it's not just because I want it so, so dearly, but I do think they probably do go to a three in the back. I don't know if that's going to be the three, five, two or the three, four, three, but assuming you have to rest wingers, I think they will probably lean more so to the three, five, two, despite the fact that I don't actually like it very much. Uh, But I'm not the one making those decisions, unfortunately, or extremely fortunately, depending on how good of a coach you think I am. Uh, But I hope to see some heavy rotation but I also am extremely cautious about heavy rotation because, man, this is a flying Minnesota United team, and they, they worry me. So if I had to give a score prediction for this one, I am horrible at these. My track record is just absolutely horrendous in the, what, 25 games we've made predictions because we missed two. I have seven points. That's just absolutely abysmal. I haven't got a single one like perfectly correct. I've only gotten results right. But if I had to, and I do, and I'm looking to make a comeback in these standings, uh, I'm going to go with an RSL 2-2 draw, I think. That's what you were going to say, wasn't it, my friend? That was a very big reaction for those of you that can't see this uh, video recording, and that's none of you because we don't record these. But, man, that was a big rat. Rea- you can't go 2-2 now. You can't. I've taken it. I've stolen it. I think Emmanuel Reynoso probably gets two, and I think Jefferson Sabarino and Pablo Ruiz get two for RSL.
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say. As far as the score prediction, so, you Yeah, pick a new one.
1: You have. I'm sorry. Legally, you have
0: to pick a new one. Oh my gosh! Dang it! I had I had thought about this one for like since the second half of the Dallas game tonight. I was thinking about this prediction. I was like, what do I do? And I was like, I'm feeling good about two-two. I had the stats and everything to back it up. Now I to have to change my narrative. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I
0: still love uh, the stats. Back up my narrative for me, and then maybe you can give us yours. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll...
1: Revamped on the fly narrative.
0: I'll back up your narrative and I'll just say 1-1 draw because I want to stick with the draw. And if they get 2-2, then you get the points. If they get 1-1, then I get the points. We'll just make that a little bit of a differentiator there. But 1-1 draw, despite me wanting to go with 2-2, um, I, I want to kind of flash back to the... and You mentioned, you know, it's a midweek game here. Pablo Mastroni's probably going to use a little bit of rotation, but I, I really actually hope that he doesn't. And um, we'll we'll get into the game preview for the second game. We've got two games to preview on this episode. It's the LAFC game. And um, personally, if I'm looking at these games, I think the RSL has a better chance to pull out a win um, at home against Minnesota. It's nothing to take away from Minnesota, but they've got a better chance of pulling out a win at home against Minnesota. Bale and Keelini are starting to get back in the rotation for LAFC. You really... If you, you, you really genuinely, can you really genuinely think that RSL goes on the road in LAFC to the, like the best team in the league right now and plays against a Bale and Keeley who we just played against at home and got thrashed four to one? You're telling me you think they can go there, pull out a win with confidence? Like absolutely not. I think they've got a better chance of doing it, doing this against Minnesota. And so, while there might be some rotation, I hope that the, a majority of the team stays the same. Now, if we're looking back to that game where they had last played against Minnesota. That game was 3-2, to two, right, Alex? That but is correct, my friend. If you look at the lineup in that game, it's a bit different from what we have been seeing as from games as of late. Johan Kappelhoff started this game instead of Justin Glad. Justin Glad's back. I really hope we don't rest him in this game. Um... I don't think I guess, there's any
1: reason
0: to so yeah I, I you know I guess that could be a segue in my one to watch. My one to watch is going to be Justin Glad for this game because Capoloff started last game against Minnesota uh, obviously allows some goals. I think the the partnership between Marcelo Silva and Justin Glad is great. And if Justin Glad brings his A game in this one, that's how this team's going to pull out a result defensively. Mention Emmanuel Reynoso, Franco Fraga like Minnesota's got a bunch of guys that can score goals. They've got some very good attackers. They've been hot as of late. If you're going to slow them down, you got to play well defensively. And I think Justin Glad's going to be a huge part of that. He and Marcelo Silva are really going to have a lot of work to do in this game. Also Scott Caldwell started that last game they played against Minnesota. Um, not great. I would prefer Lawful Send to play in this game, but we, we are aware that he probably needs a little bit of rest looking maybe slightly injured at times in this game. And so, That might be the way to go. I would not like to have Caldwell start in this game. But if it happens, it happens. So Justin Gladden, my one to watch. My score prediction, one to one. Alex, who is your one to watch in this game?
1: I think you make a lot of really good points about going all in on this game. Because, look, we can just chalk the LAFC one up to a loss. I know crazy things have happened. We've won there in the playoffs. but. But let's be real; that's that's just you know probably an unlikely scenario that we go in there and get even so much as a result. So I I think you're right, and I think we you know I said we were probably going to see a lot of changes across the board, and you've maybe convinced me that that's not going to be the case. But my one to watch remains the same, regardless, because we know he'll be there, and it is one Zachary McMathery. Because man, I really do feel like he has taken a slight step back in his form uh, thus far on the season, as to where he was, you know, probably you know closer to the midpoint way. I agree. The year, and it's a worry because it is. I, I think we have to legitimately look at it now as a hole on the roster or a hole on the depth chart because there, there truly is just no one pushing him, just nobody at all. I think Gavin Beavers is an extremely talented goalkeeper, and I think he will be in contention for the starting spot next year. But at this point, I think it is very clear that he is not, not a player seen that way by anyone in the RSL. Front office or coaching staff, and probably for good reason. So for yeah. me, Zach McMath is the one to watch because again, his his distribution was horrible. It was it was really really bad, and there were two moments that could have really put us in a bad way in this game against FC Dallas. And if that continues, I do think Minnesota United has the quality up front to really punish those sorts of mistakes. Similar to Dallas, you know, I would have said probably the same thing about them. They just didn't have it on the night. But Minnesota certainly worries me from that regard, and I expected them to push up a little bit higher than Dallas did. Dallas did defend quite deep in this game, honestly. Uh, And so if Minnesota's got higher numbers upfield, when they make those sorts of turnovers, I I could see that being an issue. But I also do think that Zach McMath is capable of playing to a higher level than we've seen in the last couple games, because we have seen that level earlier on in the season. So I yes. do want to see if yep. it is a, a continuation of the current narrative, or if it is kind of a diversion in the road to a new or uh, renewed sort of form for Zachary McMathery. So he is my one to watch Ethan.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Zach McMath will be vital in this game and uh, his distribution. Keep an eye on that because it wasn't great this game, but it had been good, uh, I guess, a couple of games before then. Um, so keep an eye on Zach McMath. Keep an eye on Justin Glad. Alex predicts a 2-2 draw. I predict a 1-1 draw. Drop your uh, score predictions in um, our, our comments or for, I guess, the post when we post out this episode or Anywhere, really. Let us know what you think, uh, if if we're going to get it right or wrong. But let's move on to the LAFC preview for this game. LAFC is currently, no surprise, first in the standings uh, in MLS play. Uh, The game will be on Sunday, September 4th. So Sunday game, we might be recording next week's episode a little bit later in the week on probably a Sunday instead of recording on like a Saturday night like we normally do. This game will be away at Bank of California Stadium, 830 p.m. kickoff late game. So uh, make sure to stay awake, get a nap throughout the day, and then uh, you'll have lots of energy for the game um yeah such a yeah. late kickoff yeah, man need energy because uh lafc
1: or lafc they lost 4-1 to austin on friday but they remain as you mentioned six points clear atop the supporter shield standings and the cream of the crop of major league soccer in my opinion but uh they also do play midweek similar to rsl against the houston dynamo on the road in texas Ooh. so you know, scary you've already got that narrative baked in that like they're gonna be tired they played at a human no
0: way tonight, man
1: night so uh
0: have you seen where houston is in the standings right now
1: I mean, keeps, they keeps still play the game. he Heat <laughs> doesn't care where Houston is in the standings. Yeah, but guess what, you're be, Bale. And, yeah, you're still gonna have the excuse, but how about no, Bale I mean, and Chiellini I mean, don't even play in this game. Poor Houston fans. Uh, yeah, poor Houston fans. They are lucky. They're lucky they don't have, the <laughs> <against> Giorgio <laughs> volleyball star Chiellini. But I think that is, you know, not a, a not an advantage in the slightest because you know clearly it's it's <laughs> similar to one Real Salt Lake playing. Video. Yes. But, I, I don't know that there's points to be had here. I mean, yeah. Austin nope. proved that it can be done. This team can be beat, but let's be honest, we're not Austin. We're not playing at home, and we don't have any of the top-end luxury type players that Austin does. sans Jefferson, yeah, Severino, you know, I could hear it before I said it, but you know, he doesn't have the supporting cast around him to be to be, you know, probably his best self. And for me, this game a draw would be a sensational result. And I, I agree that every like fiber of my being.
0: No, definitely would be admit
1: that, but it's exactly-
0: especially, could you imagine if we got a win against Minnesota and then we drew somehow against LAFC, like that would I think, be the dream. I think
1: that would be, that would be fantastic. And yeah. I mean, luckily like the only bright side to see is like, <laughs> this will be the hardest game we have the rest of the regular season, but it's, not like the other ones are cake, but like we do luckily get this one out of the way, I guess, sort of like, I guess it's, it's it's better than having this game on decision day. If that that's, that's the, (laughs) that's the silver lining I'm having to take away here because I am, I'm very nervous about playing LAFC (laughs) in Los Angeles. But yeah, if if there's any, if there's anything to be had in this game, it's that we don't have to play it on decision day when we absolutely need points that will come later on. But for me, this game is going to be one and lost on whether or not we can finish on the night. We've had too many games where we've created really good chances and we just can't find the back of the net. And for that very reason, my one to watch here would be Sergio Snortova or Scordova. It'll depend on who shows up in Los Angeles at Bank of California Stadium. I, I just don't know. I mean,
0: I don't got know. got the goal last time when we played him.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know who Cordova is at this point. We have yeah. seen both. We have seen one for a more prolonged period. That would be obviously Snortova, but Scordova has existed in bunches the last month. So I, I have no idea. And that's why he's the one to watch, especially in a game like LAFC, because it's going to be a game where we clearly, obviously, certainly I'll bet a million dollars have less possession, less opportunities. And in that type of game script, how can he find involvement? Cause he did it in salt Lake. He got a goal. He got a really nice header and he scored against LAFC. He has done it, but can he do it on the road? A cold rainy night in Stoke? Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Can he go in there and be involved? <laughs> In, a, in what is likely to be, to use a fantasy football term, a very negative game script? And can he help create space for Saverino? Because if you're going to be standing around and doing a lot of walking like you did against FC Dallas, at least do so in a way that frees up some of your other teammates. So for me, he is my one to watch. But Ethan, for you, who is your one to watch?
0: Um, wow, that's okay. As, as you were talking about Sergio Cordova in this game, uh, and I agree he will be an important one to watch. Um, just, I'm just like looking up some crazy stats that I just randomly found. Did you know, Alex, that Sergio Sergio Cordova is somehow tied for 19th in the league in shots. I mean, and 19th, he is I
1: mean, w- when you play as many minutes as he does, like, well, certainly, and you're encouraged to take if you miss seven shots to take an eighth, like I would certainly hope he's somewhere up there. It's not <laughs> like 19th is like really that. High. I mean, that feels pretty smack dab average if you ask me, but. I bet like a, like a shot per minute. I bet he's probably not as
0: hot. Well, yeah, and then shots shots on goal. He's 16th in the league, which is still kind of crazy for me. Um, and then uh, just looking at like some other random stats for fun, which will actually be the perfect segue, actually, into my one to watch for this game. Um, my my score prediction is going to be zero to three for LA FC. Um, Yep, won't talk about it any more than that. That feels (laughs) (laughs) good. But if I um, get mine, did I totally forget to give mine? I think you did. What is it?
1: It's gonna be 5 0. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, there we go. Okay. Well, um, that's, that's definitely on brand. Um, but my one to watch in this game, if RSO will make it not happen, or I guess will make it happen in this game and, and be able to be productive in this game, not have a score line of three, zero or five, zero. I think that a guy that's going to be a key cog in the machine is going to be Paulo Ruiz for the team. Paulo Ruiz. Fun fact is actually 19th in the league in tackles made this year, which is kind of a weird random stat, but Paulo Ruiz has been playing really well as of late. Um, but I think in this game, his his role is going to be more vital and more important playing defensively. Um, the midfield is a, it can be a scary place sometimes. And I think Ruiz needs to do a little bit more work, probably defensively in this game. If RSL will somehow miraculously happen to pull out a result. So yeah. So if, if, if RSL wants to have a good game, because we saw how, how easy it was for LAFC attackers to just kind of turn, Guys like Justin Glad or Marcelo Silva inside out, like Marcelo Silva and Justin Glad aren't slouches. They're amazing defenders. And so um, LAFC attackers are just that good, but I think that they might need a little bit of help. And so if Pablo Ruiz has a little bit more tendency to kind of drop back, help be positionally at least there, maybe defensively it gives the team a little bit something more, but... I I don't know. So I will be watching for Paulo Ruiz and his defensive work in this game. So he will be my one to watch in this one.
1: The last thing I'll say on LAFC is that it is incredibly unfortunate that we get them shortly after their first true proper smackdown of the MLS season. They just got, you know, properly walloped in Austin. And I think, you know, clearly they have the buffer game in Houston, but I do think this is one that they're going to, to really come out flying and, and you know, try to give themselves a little bit more of a cushion in the supporters, in the supporters shield standing, the supporters standing. And I couldn't even get it on the same track. And I think that's incredibly unfortunate for RSL. I think, I think there's no chance that we kind of find them slumping. I think they're going to be absolutely ready to play in this one. And that frightens me dearly. And I guess we will see. I would love to be wrong. I would absolutely love for this to be Bobby's first game back and for him to get you know kind of significant minutes and prove that he is a million dollar striker in this league but that feels that feels kind of like a you know it's always good to want things it's always good to want things and i feel like it's kind of a kind of a big want but but yeah i guess we, we will see and only time will tell
0: Um, kind of on a side note i just like noticing how late this game was um I don't know when we're going to find time to record. We should I probably say, just yeah, talk I wasn't about this point it after out this episode. Here, but, that is but going to
1: be a tough one because I am. Back <sighs> like the but school schedule has started up again this year, unfortunately, and so <sighs> Dang, I'm back to like that's true. waking up early again on Mondays. So
0: we will need Wait, to figure actually, that out. So that'll
1: be that'll be Labor Day, baby. Oh, it is. We got that one off. Let's go.
0: Oh, sweet. Yes. Okay, oh, perfect. Totally fine. We'll
1: stay up till I okay. am recording that one. Oh, mm, also, oh, oh, yes, some some. Of-
0: Some of us will stay up till 5 a.m. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) That's tough. Yeah. Five zero loss. That's actually, you know what? That's Uh, so, that's so sincere of you to do that for RSL. That's so sweet.
0: Yeah. Hashtag dead life. So, uh, well, speaking of dad life, I probably get to get, got to get back to my kit. but, um, Alex, do you have anything to, to mention on this episode before we end today?
1: You know what I do? Uh, my girlfriend, Michaela, she's great. She's wonderful. She's fantastic. She's very sweet. I uh, got a job recently working at Kaye, which is a street soccer like clothing brand or kind of all around street soccer brand. And the part owner is Nick Romano who is now her boss. So they had a launch party yesterday and I got to go and it was freaking sick, dude. It was awesome. And they've made like it's kind of like a pseudo like bar vans kind of store with like an indoor soccer facility sort of That's thing. awesome. And like the soccer tennis uh, stuff. And then, you know, they've got their big office where they like make all the designs and then they've got their screen printing and it's sick. It's really awesome. And she was in the job hunt for a while. And this one, like, Man, if I could have like handpicked a job for her for me to have, <laughs> this is like the perfect one. I get a sweet discount and their clothing's really cool. And awesome. I think they're going to update the website very soon with all the new designs, including the shirts she has designed. So when that does go live, go buy a shirt uh, so I can feed my family uh, that consists of me and Michaela and my cat. So <laughs> if you want our cat pickles to be eaten good, uh, if you want them to get that good cheroo, uh, he really needs uh, really needs you to go buy some shirts. So yeah, that was awesome. That was so cool. Nick's like the nicest guy. He was very sweet. Uh, took time to like talk to me and Uber nerd about RSL and was like very very pleasant to chat with. But no, he's he's also I've been, I've, I've heard from her just a great boss. So shout out RSL legend Nick Romando for for doing that and shout out Kaye for taking a chance on a college grad in a first time job uh, working graphic design. So so go look at their stuff. Uh, hopefully the website is updated soon with all the new shirts and designs and things like that. But yes, I just want to take this time to say I'm very proud of her and I'm very
0: happy for this uh, opportunity that she has carved out for herself. Well, I'm sure the next away game for RSL, that place will probably be packed, but um, yes. Yeah. I, I I, can't I, I, I gotta get out I mean, there. Like
1: really market like an RSL game to come to come watch. Cause yeah, the TVs are sick. The shuffleboard's cool.
0: Like I gotta get out and, there, man. It's, You're making me excited it's honestly, over here.
1: Like, like truly it's really fun. And their whole goal is to, they've got a campaign to quote free the game where they want to build um, like outdoor futsal courts uh, underneath uh, or next to like tracks lines so that you know students can come play for free because now they have like awesome. every salt lake city school district student gets a free transport uh tracks ticket or whatever so they want to kind of use that to to give them places to play and i think i think they're on to something very big potentially and i think they're doing it in a really like honest uh integrity driven way so I'm, I'm very i'm very happy to be you know even a adjacent tangential part of, of that mission. So, so shout out Michaela once again, go buy a Kai shirt so I can get pickles, some true. And uh, just because it's a great shirt too. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're sweet. So uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got though for this one. I think we've got, hour and five minutes is not bad for a review and two previews and a news heavy and Monarchs minute heavy, heavy week. So I think we did pretty well today, Ethan. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me. Uh, is your daughter currently awake or asleep? Like, are you going back to like, go take a nice little nap? Or are you going right back into daddy duty?
0: I mean, I gave her to my wife while she was asleep. So I'm sure she's awake right now, probably crying. I uh, probably got to go change a diaper or something, but nice. Um, but anyways, <laughs> thank you all for joining us today on the episode, Alex. Thank you as well for your time today. It's a very fun episode. So we appreciate you all joining in today. Uh, make sure to follow Alex at Alex Mauer on Twitter and follow me at Ethan Kirsch on nine on Twitter. Also, You can find the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter. Be sure to follow them. That's where you can find all of our episodes for this podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for joining us this week. We will figure out a time to uh, record for our episode next week and keep you all updated. But until then, we will talk to you all next week. See ya.